Back in season three of The Flip in episode five, Problem Solving for Fragmented Retail, we spoke to Twiga Foods co-founder and CEO, Peter and John Joe. Twiga started as a platform better organizing the retail side of the produce market by aggregating the merchants that sell to consumers. But they saw that the issues impacting food costs and supply existed across the fresh produce value chain. There was a lot of investment going to the farmer, but no one was uh, trying to figure out what is it that we need to do to get this produce from the farm to retail. Because it's one thing to produce it, but if you produce it and you don't sell it, then uh, effectively all the investments that are going in terms of helping uh, farmers are suboptimized. So we realized that the opportunity was actually focusing on the downstream side of that equation. After focusing on the downstream side for some years, Twiga realized that these issues in Kenya were still constrained by the low productivity at the farm level. Now, because the downstream side was so fragmented, then what you found is that it also had an effect on the upstream side. On the upstream side, it meant that most of the production was informal, was low-tech, very little agronomy capability. And when you put all those things together, it was like a a self-fulfilling vicious cycle. You know, you have poor market access. Poor market access doesn't provide sustainable investment opportunities on the production side. And hence, no investment is then made to solve some of the challenges that you have on the downstream side. It's a pretty common story we're seeing in the African context. Platforms start out as asset light. And as they grow, they realize that problems exist elsewhere in the value chain that, depending on the market or the industry or the context, may compel them to take a more high-touch or asset-heavy approach. In our conversation with Peter, he shared that Twiga Foods had leased commercial farmland as a proof of concept for going into commercial farming and taking a higher-touch approach upstream. And it's an investment in production that's only possible on top of Twiga's platform. The reason why smallholder farmers exist uh, today in domestic uh, agriculture is because uh, it's a lowest-risk way of uh, servicing a highly fragmented informal retail. As structure of retail changes, then uh, you will have more commercial funds uh, coming up. This evolution for Twiga Foods could fundamentally alter the productivity and income generation dynamics of farming. If you want to solve the smallholder farmer problem, you're solving a problem around sustainable incomes in rural areas. That's essentially what you're doing. What I find very intriguing is the impact to smallholder farmers in this context. What Peter was effectively saying is that in order to solve this market fragmentation problem, Kenya needs more commercial farms. And in that context, sustainable incomes in rural areas comes not necessarily from helping smallholder farmers grow, but in creating opportunities for subsistence farmers to instead work on commercial farms, to be employees. Last episode, we explored vertical platforms and their role in helping microenterprises grow. But what happens as we carry this exploration further into the future? How far along the spectrum of touch do these platforms go? Is the future of work platform-enabled employers? What does that path to formalization, standardization, and consolidation look like? And if we bring this exploration further down to this future of work question, to what extent are the platforms going to simply be the big employers of tomorrow? We'll explore these questions and much more in this episode. Before we start, we'd like to thank MFS Africa for their sponsorship of the entirety of season four of The Flip. This season of the future of work sits at the intersection of impact and returns, where we're speaking to entrepreneurs building valuable businesses while simultaneously addressing vital challenges across the continent. It's an approach that's also being taken by one of MFS Africa's investors, Admaeus Capital Partners, a $250 million private equity fund investing in high-impact sectors driving social and economic transformation across Africa. And I had the opportunity to speak to the fund's managing partner, Marlon Chigwende, about their investment focus. Primarily, we're trying to combine two things, which is 
good commercial returns to our investors, but also a very strong impact and ESG lens. And especially on a continent like ours, a lot of the sectors and themes that we look at fall into those buckets. So if you look at our core sectors that we focus on, which are healthcare, education, fintech, and FMCG, you know, you can see by the very nature of those sectors and the need and demand for those sectors across the continent, equally, we believe you can make commercial returns and have impact. If you say that you're a Pan-African investor, to have an impact on a Pan-African basis, or certainly in the investments that you're in, typically requires a lot of capital. Now, if you look at those four sectors in particular, if you're writing like we are, checks in a sweet spot of, say, 20 to $50 million, you can actually make a huge difference with that size check in those sectors. And, you know, a little bit of a plug, I guess, for MFS Africa, which is you look at the impact that some of these businesses have, especially when they've got decent sized balance sheets and that are at certain scale or size. This is one of the most impactful ways to help to develop the continent and to make sure that people who have been excluded from a system are included in it. And in terms of dollars at work versus impact to the men on the street, fintech is a hugely important sector and space. You're listening to The Flip, the podcast exploring more contextually relevant stories from entrepreneurs around Africa. Welcome back to The Flip. I'm your host, Justin Norman. Today's episode started with a tweet by M Pharma's co-founder and CEO, Gregory Roxon. Quote, as we scale our quality RX program across Africa, my belief gets stronger that the future of retail in Africa is not e-commerce or B2B marketplaces. The future is conversion franchising. So first, a definition. This from an article in the publication Next Billion, which I've linked to in the show notes. Conversion franchising transforms pre-existing, independently owned businesses into members of a standardized network. Scalability and profitability may be enhanced because potential franchisees already have a physical location, business experience, and regular customers. Not surprisingly, several benefits accrue to a potential franchisor, including streamlined process as compared to starting a new business, lower capital requirements because infrastructure is already built, and shop owners' local customer knowledge. The franchisee potentially benefits from an increase in income, access to business training, a streamlined distribution network, often including volume discounts on products, and a strong franchisor brand. So, in the context of the evolution of standardization and formalization, and this spectrum of touch we talked about in the opener, conversion franchising represents a particularly intriguing model to explore, considering the nature of African markets today and franchising's potential for more steady incomes. My name is Gregory Robson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of M Pharma. I wanted to speak to Gregory about that tweet to better understand M Pharma's evolution along the standardization and high-touch spectrum, from their beginnings as an asset light platform to the franchisor they are today. I always tell people that, you know, what we say today was really a series of discovery that began in 2013. What M Pharma is today is very different from what we started, even though the vision has always been about doing what is best for patients. And Pharma started with the focus of closing the information gap that exists between prescribers, pharmacists, and patients. When we started our work, our goal was to build really an information system by digitizing the prescription notepad. Because our belief then was that the prescription notepad actually contains some of the most important health data sets. And if we could actually move doctors from writing on a 
pen and paper to a digital notepad, then we could begin to actually create an information network that allows us to really build solutions that matter to patients. And so that's how we began. And from those beginnings commenced Gregory and M Pharma's journey of discovery that led to the conversion franchise model we see today. And as we follow along this journey of discovery, we will see a continual story about the problems caused for patients by the high degree of fragmentation and the lack of standardization in the markets in question. We could see in our data which drugs patients actually picked up, which drugs were not picked up, and we could ask why. And the why led us to evolve our work into actively taking ownership of the supply chain. Because we realized that without actually owning the supply chain infrastructure, it would be quite hard for these pharmacies and hospitals to be able to guarantee the availability, but also the pricing that patients could pay for because each facility was managing its own supply chain. So we pioneered what the industry is known as vendor managed inventory, where a third party takes root control over the supply chain of a retailer. So the vendor managed inventory model in the first place is a model aiming to ensure steady availability of drugs, but it didn't solve all of the problems along the value chain. Now, once we were in the pharmacy, we were now managing the supply chain. That also meant that we were managing the critical revenue assets of these businesses. And that opened our eyes further to, I'll say, two big observations. The first was that with the vendor managing range solution, we were only controlling the pricing up to the shelf level inside the pharmacy. But we did not control the pricing that the pharmacies actually charged the patients. They were not really passing on savings to patients. The second observation was then the nature of how the pharmacies actually served their patients. And what became clear to us was that in the communities that we were working in, those pharmacies were really primary care providers, even if they didn't think of themselves as such. We realized that there's this deep-seated trust that we can tap into to reimagine a health system that is more proactive. We explored this very topic in greater detail last season in Building a Healthier Africa, Episode 6 of Season 3, where, considering that the pharmacy is the first point of care for many Africans, the goal is then to bring more healthcare services and diagnostics to the pharmacies. And here's where M Pharma's pharmacy in a box business, Quality RX, was born. First pharmacy in 2018 that we brought into the Quality RX program was a pharmacy in my place of birth, Tema, the town that I was born in, called Fresh Spring. And Fresh Spring, when I was growing up, used to be, it was like the biggest pharmacy. It was the first attempt to build a pharmacy chain. But then Fresh Spring went downhill because of some internal issues. And those internal issues are not uncommon across the continent. Difficulty accessing inventory, poor infrastructure, lack of access to capital. And so Fresh Spring became the first pharmacy that we decided to attempt to manage through our Quality RX program. But it had just one objective. How were we going to make fresh spring standards? And that was our aha moment. And we said, actually, let's build more health services. We're going to do a free health screening. Let's bring doctors to do a free health screening. What that means for M Pharma is that beyond providing a steady access to drugs and beyond managing the pharmacy's inventory, to provide improved care to patients meant investing in a greater experience. This may include both infrastructure as well as services like health screenings in the pharmacy because it's the first point of care for so many Africans around the continent. And the franchising idea then is born of the opportunity to bring M Pharma's resources, access to capital, additional services, operational standards, and most importantly, to leverage the trust of the pharmacists in the community. 
to improve operations for the benefit of the patients and the pharmacists alike. And that was the beginning of that evolution. Within three months, Fresh Spring had almost 3x its revenue. And we're like, wow, this actually works. So in 2019, we actually built a team to focus solely on bringing the quality RX model to more pharmacies. And that's how it actually began from the success with Fresh Break. The added healthcare services were a particularly important part of the Quality RX operating model. Keeping a customer is always cheaper than acquiring a new customer. And so in retail, what you're always trying to do is to ask a simple question. How do I diversify the reasons that brings people into my store? When we started with our franchise, we knew that the reason why people go to a pharmacy today is because they want to buy a medication. Most people go to self-medicate. So that was already one use case. The question is, how do we create more use cases that would enable people to have more reasons to come? Because the more you can diversify the reasons that brings people into your store, the more you can keep them to spend more time with you. And this is really important in the context of low diagnostics and high self-medication and in an environment where consumer trust is paramount. So what we saw is that when you actually see a physician, you're actually diagnosed properly, which means that you are actually buying things that are more relevant than just buying painkillers and basic stuff. We also saw that that trust, once they get that trust, they bring in more people in their household. So because you have trust, that when you are spending, at least you're spending because a doctor says that, so you know that I'm not going to have to spend more. So we think that is the confidence in the system and the fact that when you have this managed care approach to treatment, it just builds more trust and people end up relying and coming back more often. This obviously has positive business implications from a same-store revenue perspective as well. Here, Gregory is going to reference Muti Pharmacies, which is the consumer brand of the franchises under M Pharma. And what we saw over time is that when people start their care journey in a multi-pharmacy at a multi-doctor office, those patients spend two times more than those that go straight to the counter. And when we look at their actual behavior from the return rates, those patients have a higher return rate to their multi-pharmacy than those that just go straight to the counter to self-medicate. And what we saw in the data was that those multi-doctor offices were contributing 35% of the revenues of those multi-pharmacies. So you want to better serve your customers by actually helping them diversify the reasons for which customers decide to come and shop at their outlets. And if you can do that, you can open up more revenue streams, but also create much more stickiness that ensures that you don't have to acquire new customers all the time in order to make that same amount of revenue. So the success of the Quality RX program with Fresh Spring and Tema gave M Pharma the confidence to pursue the franchise model further and at scale. In the Quality RX program, we just go and sign one pharmacy, one pharmacy, one pharmacy. We talk to an individual owner. Most of them have the same characteristics. These are pharmacies that are struggling, that need to rebuild. And we do that through the Quality RX program. The next question was whether they could scale up this activity through acquisition. So in a way, I said, wait a minute. Actually, yes, we're acquiring it, but it's just a giant quality RX because it's just 
17 pharmacies instead of acquiring each individual store. That's what we'd have done in the past. We are just acquiring them all at once through an acquisition. But the approach to transforming them will be the same playbook for our Quality RX program. And so we felt, well, this could be an attempt to see how you could apply the Quality RX model at scale with not having 17 stores that you have to turn around. The 17 stores Gregory is referring to is Halton's, a chain of pharmacies in Kenya, which was once the largest in the country, but had since closed down a considerable amount of unprofitable stores, which saw the chain fall to a distant second in the country. The success of that acquisition and M Pharma's ability to turn around stores, much like they did with their original franchise, Fresh Spring, was becoming self-evident. When we bought Halton's, 25% of the stores were at break-even. Today, over 90% of the stores are at break-even. The business was at, was at a negative, almost 50% EBITDA margins. It is now down to 10%. And we did all of that without actually increasing the number of Halton stores. Right? So that growth did not come because we opened more stores. That growth came because we actually just made the existing stores better. The Halton's acquisition was in 2019 and laid the foundation on top of which M Pharma would enter into new markets. Rather than converting franchises one by one, they'd launch into a new country through inorganic expansion. Halton's gave us the foundation to launch our franchise and work. So based upon that, we created two principles. The first was that if we wanted to go into a new market to launch franchising, it was always easier if we actually started by buying a small pharmacy or pharmacy chain to use that as the foundation for our go-to-market strategy. Because it allowed us to, one, show to the market what a multi-pharmacy actually is. It gave us the critical infrastructure and assets and licenses to be able to operate. And step two is that we would normally just look at what is the cost to me acquiring as my go-to entry, which gives me an entire team. What was the cost to me then starting up, finding an office space, hiring the team, all that stuff that goes with it, right? And you have to do the math. And whatever is much more effective in our case, acquiring Holtons was much more cost-effective than doing that. And that's a framework that we've applied in all our other acquisitions as well. And the subsequent acquisitions, Vine Pharmacy in Uganda in 2021 and in 2022, the Nigerian chain Health Plus, has seen Mpharma considerably grow its footprint of Muti pharmacies across the continent. So today we have about 605 facilities that we manage and about 120 of them are company owned and the rest are franchised. And we have over 2,200 people who directly and indirectly work for M-Farm across the markets that we work in. When we come back, we're going to dig a bit deeper into the conversion franchising model. But before that, here's another word from our sponsor, MFS Africa. Earlier in the show, we heard from Edmaeus Capital Partners' Marlon Chiguende about their investing activities. Marlon and I also spoke specifically about the fund's investment in MFS Africa. MFS Africa is of the sort of size and scale that is interesting to us. We've known Dare for many, many years. We've been following the ups and downs of the business as he's grown and scaled the business, and we've been looking for an opportunity over time that made sense from their perspective and our perspective. I think, secondly, over and above Dare, I think what he's done really well in the last few years, two to three years in particular, he's really strengthened the management team. That's very, very important if you're going to truly be a scale player 
across the continent. Another attraction of the business, they're in 38 countries. It's a true Pan-African footprint. And so that's good from a seizing opportunities perspective and pockets of growth. And it's also good from a diversification perspective. So you're looking at things on a truly Pan-African basis. That's attractive. And that scale that they've managed to develop in and of itself is quite attractive. And we think that our capital will help them to grow and develop even more corridors to go and strengthen some of the acquisitions that they've made and continue that growth and development. I think the 400 million wallets across the continent that they reach, it's just, when you take a step back and you think about that, it's really a very powerful statement. That's a truly, if you want to talk about financial inclusion and impact, I think that's an incredible story. And so the story came together nicely in terms of when you think about what the company MFS is doing and its set of values and what we are looking for in a company. It was a great first investment for this fund for us. Now, the conversion franchising model has been very successful for Informa, but could conversion franchising be the future of work? To understand the model's implications more broadly across sectors requires us to dig into the characteristics of the model itself and why it's worked for M Pharma and in these markets in particular. One of the biggest challenges that retail faces in Africa is one of a lack of trust. So we really work in low trust environments. Yet fundamentally, the backbone of almost any sort of commerce that we see or trade that we see is built on the backbone of small businesses. And there are these small businesses that exist in almost any industry, right? In pharmacies, mine was this small independent pharmacist that is set up by you know, a pharmacist who leaves pharmacy school and the only job they can have is to create their own pharmacy. And these people are in the community. The community knows them and they know that if something goes wrong, they know who they walk to. It's for this reason that Gregory, like many others, believe small businesses still have an important role to play in the African market context. And so my belief had been that the way we scale retail is really to improve the trust that exists within these small businesses that are the backbone of retail. What conversion fraction does is that it gives you an asset light approach to be able to do that by just taking these businesses that exist in that particular sector, try to create standard operating models, standard experiences, standard pricing, and the fact that if I, as a consumer, see that now my local business has this new brand on top of it, it directly connotates that that small business has gone through a change that I should see in the type of service I get. And that, for me, is what I feel that conversion franchise will do to really scale retail. The next big hotel chain, the next big restaurant chain, I believe, will be built through a conversion franchise approach in Africa. What's particularly important about the characteristics of these markets, apart from the trust factor, is that they're small and fragmented and don't have high consumer spend. And so this model also allows Mpharma to, at scale, grow its business in a way that is truly complementary to existing small businesses. We don't have a lot of people with disposable income. The reality of going to open a new pharmacy in that same community is just that I will spread even more the little spending that the community has instead of actually trying to consolidate 
the spend of food traffic into much more fewer assets. Opening a new pharmacy doesn't necessarily make the people in the community wealthier. That means that they will spend more than what they will naturally spend. And so it allows you to, one, still create economy of scale by consolidating spend in existing assets in those same communities, rather than trying to divert part of that spend into a new asset where everyone is obviously worse off as a result of that. And ultimately, it's a model that allows for a greater degree of trust in the system. It's not to take business from them, which a pure e-commerce play could do, or B2B, which is just about product distribution, where the actual customer experience is not really tackled. What conversion franchising allows us to do is to actually address what, in my view, is the biggest stumbling block in scaling formal retail, which is a lack of trust in the system and in the model. And from a jobs and future of work perspective, here's why Gregory is particularly bullish on this model. So I'll share a story with you. In April, I took the M Pharma board to a little pharmacy in the eastern region of Ghana called Willie Keynes. And Willie Keynes was the oldest pharmacy in that community. that had been there for 45 years. Despite being around for 45 years, Willie Kings had fallen on some tough times and was on the brink of shutting down until it was converted into an M Pharma franchise. In eight, you know, almost nine months, Willie Kings grew from doing $100 a month to now doing over $4,000 a month in revenue. And so when I took the board to Willie Kings, as we were leaving, the owner stopped me and wanted to say thank you. And I told him, why was he thanking me? I mean, he didn't do me any favor. We're in business. You know, his success is my success. He makes more money, I make more money. And he said, oh, no, that's not why I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you because my employees are now happy. Why? Because we now have cash flow. They get paid on time. And because they get paid on time, when customers come, they treat them well. And because they treat them well, the patients love the experience they get, so they keep coming back. And that, for me, was a very interesting sort of economic principle when I think about how our societies evolve. Today, Willie Kings has been able to hire two more people. The foot traffic went up. They couldn't just keep up with what they had. They had to hire two more people. And that, for me, was just the transformation. It did not take a big pharmacy opening a new pharmacy. We just did it through Willie Kings. And that, for me, is my theory of change, is that conversion franchising allows us to quickly scale our ability to increase employment opportunities because we are able to take existing businesses that you know, to have a business that's been there for 45 years, you know something. And so for that to just die would be a shame. But if you can revive that, provide them with the capacity to be able to hire more people, then directly or indirectly, we are creating jobs. So this is one theory of change, that conversion franchising with pharmacies in particular is an especially compelling model in the African context, and that this is one model of what formalization and standardization will look like. Perhaps it's a model that has merit in other sectors too, considering the scope of the infrastructural problems platforms and startups are attempting to solve across the continent. And that's what I discussed with the Flip's B-Mike Shiofolowio in this episode's retrospective. Take a listen. I think it's hard because you're dealing with highly fragmented markets and... Mm. um, you're building a lot of the infrastructure as well as people learning it, if you know what I mean. I don't think there's anything more interesting about it than the fact that it is highly fragmented and highly informal. That makes it really difficult. And then the, the question for me then is just because it's highly fragmented and informal and in that context, 
is conversion franchising, for example, a particularly interesting case study because it can perhaps it, more, it reduces both yeah, of more, those things. But um, relative to a big box retailer coming and setting up shops, the reason why that hasn't worked is because of the decentralization and fragmentation and informality in other markets, not South Africa. Okay. Right? And then this is a way to move on a spectrum as opposed to you know, the proverbial leapfrog into regular retail. Sure. It's exactly as you said, right? It's a spectrum. And I don't know that I love the positioning of it as anything more than just moving along the spectrum of yeah. formalization. And do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's what everybody's fucking doing and they all work it out in some form. Like, wh what do you do when you start this thing? You say... Tech-enabled asset lights. <laughs> what do you attack? Yeah. And then you're like, ah, 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 ah. Yo, that shit is not working. Okay, in fact, you know what? We we will actually make an agent network to go and sign them up yeah. because they didn't sign up on yeah. the onboarding thing. And then you're like, ah, ah, ah. How do I retain this motherfucker? I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know. They're supposed to send the thing from my thing, but they don't use my thing, and that's not tech. And blah, blah, blah. and then you're like. Ah yo, maybe I should buy the trucks, you know? Oh, now I have the trucks and I'm tech enabled. Yeah. And then, but, oh man, when the guy drops the thing at this one and getting these two guys to talk to each other and this one, oh, I'm still losing money from the truck because yeah. they're pilfering it from da-da-da. Like, oh, maybe I should just actually also buy the store. It's just, so it's just the path to formality, and right? It, and it's a, you learn along the way yeah, that at every um, stage something's broken, you got to take over more of it and that's exactly, why it's happening. Like, and, and, I, and as you should do as an entrepreneur, you should try and find the cheapest way to achieve the same, to get to that goal. Yeah. And I think what is happening and what we're finding from doing this stuff is like, similar to what we were talking about at the beginning with the different verticals, it's like, ugh, maybe I should just do it myself. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because it's like, it's actually going to end up cheaper for me in the long run, or I'm actually still going to get decent ROI doing it this way. It's going to be better for my customers if I do it this way, et cetera, et cetera. And in different verticals, the level you have to go through that spectrum is going to look different. Yeah, Some guys will really be able to be asset light. And it's also wonderful for us to have um, good examples of things like this so that entrepreneurs working on stuff in this thing might skip yeah. the learning phase, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I think it's wonderful for us to talk about it, have it on. I don't want to overstate the like... Um, it's just a case study. It's a That's great all, case it's study. It's a great case yeah, study. Yeah. Without um, an extrapolation of this is how everything, this is how exactly. retail is going to. Exactly. That's it for this episode of The Flip. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be very grateful if you considered sharing with a friend or a colleague who you think may enjoy it as well. For more from The Flip, you can follow us on social media at The Flip Africa or subscribe to our newsletter on our website, theflip.africa. Thanks as always for listening and we'll see you next time.